We've been covering now for a number of weeks on the hideout series, Survive to Thrive, The Hidden Warrior. Talking about this man named Gideon from Judges chapter 6. What a powerful story. At the end of today's narrative, there is a powerful declaration that comes from heaven. The Lord speaks to Gideon and says, I got you. I'm with you. I want to speak to you briefly on the subject matter. God with you. God in you. God for you. Now get up and change the world. That's the title of the sermon. God with you. God in you. God for you. Now get up and change your world. The last thing we covered last week, if you weren't here, it's all right. Little synopsis. We find a man named Gideon in the threshing floor, actually a wine press, converted by his own mindset, his resilience and perseverance, never to give up on the harvest. He converted a wine press into a threshing floor. Of course, the Israelites were hiding from the Midianite marauders because they had sinned, egregious malfeasance. They had failed. They had deviated from the word and the statutes of God. So they were suffering the consequences, paying the proverbial piper. So there they are. We find one man. The Israelites are starving. The Midianite marauders are surrounding them. They would steal the harvest. And Gideon finds himself in a wine press threshing wheat, not giving up on his harvest. You heard this last week. Heaven comes along. And heaven says, you are a mighty warrior. They find a man hiding in a pit. And heaven says, you're a mighty warrior. Heaven didn't say, you're a chicken. You're fearful. What are you doing hiding? Heaven did not accuse him. Heaven declared definitively who he really is. The power to activate your prophetic destiny in the midst of pathetic circumstances. The power for heaven to show up and define you. I want to remind you that you are not defined by your circumstances. You're not defined. You're not, de this is going to get the, you're not defined by politicians. You, you're not defined by cultural influencers. You're not defined by athletes. You're not defined with people with many followers. You are defined by the one who died, resurrected, and sent his Holy Spirit for you. That's who defines you. And when they try to put you in a box, there is an attempt to put people in boxes. You're a this, you're a that, you're a this, you're a this. You must be this, you must be that. You need to break out of that box in the name of Jesus. If that box was not created by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're not going to let any man or even any government put you in a box. You weren't born to be put in a box. You were born to conquer the world around you for the glory of Jesus, to share the love and the truth of Christ. You are who God says that you are. And if you didn't die for me, you do not define me. Simply stated. So he defines them. You are a mighty hero. You are a mighty warrior. That's who you are. The first thing heaven does is define you, give you definition. I'm going to tell you who you are. You are a mighty warrior. And I love this. Stand up, Gideon. Because the following exchange is, that's Gideon. You were surprised that he was there. And he lives there throughout the course of the week, by the way. He just, he's very committed to his art, his craft. He refuses to come out throughout Monday through Saturday. Come and visit him. Nine to five, you will find Gideon in the pit. Brought to you by Kellogg's. Find Gideon in the pit. So here it is. So you did nothing. He came out. This conversation takes place. Now put this in perspective. Heaven shows up and gives Gideon a word. Here's your word. You're a mighty warrior. Go get him. I just gave you a word. Heaven, the angel of the Lord, gives you a word. You would expect him to go, um, I'm speaking to the angel of the Lord. Oh, snap, Batman. This is real. Heaven just gave me a word. He wants me to go. 
I'm going to do this. That's not what happened. True story, not making this up. You need to read this. It's amazing. Judges 6.13. This is Gideon's response to heaven talking to him. Here it is. Um, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? He's complaining to heaven, right, with questions, second questions. So if this is real, where are the miracles? The third question, if you brought us out of Egypt, you abandoned us. Then you brought us out to abandon us? I love this. He just got a word, and instead of running with the word, he's questioning the word. And it's, it's not like none of us have ever been there. Some of us have received the word from heaven, and instead of running with the word, we begin to ask God a bunch of questions. I know you haven't because you're so sanctimonious and so perfect. I know under the word holiness, your Instagram account pops up. So dear holy people who are perfect and have never done this, this is not for you. But for those of us who have ever been in a pit, ever received the word from heaven, and we had the audacity, not in a good way, but to ask God questions like, yeah, I don't know if this is real. Yeah, because I don't even know if you're with me or for me. I mean, I know you're real, but I don't know if you're going to, like, mitigate me and be in my circumstances. And by the way, my, my grandparents grew up in church, and they told me about me. I don't even see the miracles now. And by the way, you took people that I know, but I don't know if you're going to take us out to a band. Like, why all these questions we ask constantly? Man, I'm going to tell you how heaven, re because I need you to put this in perspective. He got a word. He heard a word, but he did not receive the word. There's a difference between hearing a word and receiving a word. His response indicates that he heard the word but did not embrace the word. And, and this is, this is, he did not, this is what could have happened. Because the next verse, the way that, that heaven, the Lord responds to him, it's like the Lord ignored everything he just asked. I am not making it up. The next thing is go with the strength you have. Totally blew off everything he just asked. Did not answer any of the three questions. Totally skipped it. I love that. I love when God says, I'm going to go beyond your silly questions, and I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to show you my glory. Because heaven could say this. Heaven says, you know what? I could answer you, but I won't. I could spend this time answering your silly questions, but I won't. I could answer you real easy, and I could easily show you how it wasn't me who abandoned you. You abandoned me. You got away from me. You're living the consequences of your own action, your own sin, your own unbelief, your own idolatry, your own backsliding, your own deviation, and now you want to blame me. All you do is project. All you do is deflect. All you do is scapegoat. You never take personal responsibility, but you know what? I'm not going to go there. Why? Because I already went there. I went there. I went there so I don't have to go there. I don't have to answer your silly questions, but instead of answering your silly questions, I'm going to activate my prophetic purpose inside of you. You want me to do drama. I'm not here for drama. I'm here for destiny. I'm here for purpose. I'm here for promise. We have a word. I want you to hear me. We have the same scenario right now. We have a bunch of Gideons who heard a word but did not embrace the word. We, and I say this with great due deference. We have too many believers 
giving Christianity a bad name because they know the word, but they don't live like the word has any power whatsoever. You know a couple of scriptures, but you need to not just know the word, embrace the word, walk with the word. James 1.22 says this. Don't, this is going to be a rough one, so put on your seatbelt. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. There are, you grew up in church five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You've been hearing word after word after word after word, and you're still living like the enemy has you defeated. You're still walking around all jacked up, discombobulated, all broke, busted, and disgusted, always whining, always complaining. Every single day, I'm fighting devils, demon legions. I'm trying to overcome. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to see my breakthrough. Oh, get over yourself. If you got the word, act like you have the word. Breathe like you have the word. Pray like you have the word. Praise like you have the word. It's time for you to stop making excuses. Are you listening or are you receiving the word? Man, it goes beyond listening. I want you to know, Pharisees know the word of God. So you could even know the scripture. My, my argument is the number one problem in the world right now is not what you think. It's not political discord, racial strife. It's not even COVID-19. The number one problem in the world is biblical illiteracy. People don't know the word. People don't know the word. If we know the word, but it's not just knowing the word, because Pharisees know the word. It's knowing the word and walking in the spirit. The most dangerous people on the planet are people who are washed by the blood of Jesus, filled with the spirit of God and know the word of God. There's not a devil in hell or a demon on earth that can stop a child of God filled with the word of God, the spirit of God, the atonement of God. So I'm, I, calm down, Samuel. Don't calm down, Samuel. You, there has to be reconciliation. I, you can't speak like heaven and look like hell. can't come up here and sing the blessing and live like you're cursed. You, we, I told you it's going to be a rough one today. Somebody should have given me one more latte. We have to live what we preach. We have to walk our talk. It's called integrity. We have to move of our mission in advance of the anointing. Man, we need people of the word and the spirit to stand up. When, when, and I'm going to break this down. Psalm 119, 105 to make it legal. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Matthew, if, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm telling you I'm hungry for a word revolution. Word and spirit, word and spirit. The church is about to rise up. Man, because we know stuff. We know everything about movies. We know everything about social media. If, I mean, if we know about everything. Who's hooking up with who and who is dating who and who's ghosting and mosting and posting whom. All of that stuff we know. We know everything about sports, about statistics, about government. Everybody knows about the elections right now. Everybody knows that. We know, man, if we would only pick Given all that energy for the word of God and for the spirit of God, we would turn the world upside down for Jesus. Are you with me right now? It's the word. Matthew 24, 35. I'm going to pivot. But it says this. Heaven and earth will. Which means the temporal things will pass away. Politicians will pass away. Elections will pass away. Technologies will pass away. Fads will pass away. Ideologies will pass away. 
which means one day Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, all of that will pass away. This even breaks my heart, which means that one day, oh God help us, Starbucks will pass away. But there is something that will never pass away. There is, there is something that will never pass away. Jesus said this, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. My word will live forever more. Are you ready to hold on to something that will never pass away? Something that will never fade. It is the word of God. John, John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. You got to know the word, man, because he heard the word but did not receive the word. When the enemy came against Jesus, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? In the desert, in the wilderness, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus Google something? Some of y'all go to Google before you go to God. And then after the answer doesn't satisfy you, then you go to God. And then God goes, how was that search? How was that search? It's, it's the word of God. I'm here to tell you when Jesus was confronting the enemy, when Satan literally showed up to tempt Jesus, Jesus looked at the, Jesus who was the word, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was of God and the word was God and the word became flesh. Jesus was the word made flesh. But even the word in the flesh quoted the word. And when the, de when the devil came to him, he did not go on his Spotify, on his playlist. He did not go to iTunes. He did not say, let me give you this song. With great due deference, he didn't even go like, let's sing this worship song. When the enemy came to him, this is what Jesus said. I got my answer for you. It is written. We need more parents to stand up and speak over their children and say, it is written. This household shall be saved. We need a church that'll speak over America and say it is written. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Truth and love lead the way as attendance. It is written. You got to speak to the people that are sick around you and declare it is written. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Are there any it is written people in the house? People of the word. And Pastor Sam, why are you focusing on the word? Because Gideon ignored. He heard it but did not embrace it. Sometimes it's 1 Peter, 1 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word in and out of season. Which means when the word is unpopular, it's, un it's controversial. Sometimes, oh boy, here we go. The word trumps everything the word of God, the spirit of God. So if Pastor Sam Rodriguez comes up here and gives you an opinion, an opinion, that opinion is trumped by the word of God. Samuel Rodriguez cannot come up here and say, I'm going to redefine. I'm going to give a different definition to institutions, ideas, constructs that are created by God. This past week, a very iconic religious leader whose name I will not mention because we don't do that here for now we don't no we won't I wouldn't do that I actually met the person nice person God bless him my wife and I met him and beautiful person but this week he declared that he had changed his views 
on certain items regarding the marriage and family. Doesn't line up with scripture. It doesn't. But then we have millions of people actually, yeah, close to a billion people following. And it, I just want to make it clear. The word of God trumps the opinion of men. If the Bible says it, I believe it. And the Bible does not change according to culture. It doesn't change according to an election year. It doesn't change based on the color of your skin. It doesn't change based on your economic, social economic background. It doesn't change based on your geography. It doesn't change based on your bank account. It doesn't change based on whatever generation comes up and what they believe. The word of God lasts forever. And whatever the word of God says about family, home, marriage, sexuality, giving, loving your neighbor, doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly before God, about taking care of the widow and the orphan, those that are in prison, those that are suffering, about speaking on behalf of those that can't speak for themselves, whatever the word of God says about salvation, deliverance, and healing, and eternity. How about this? About heaven and hell, because there is a heaven and there is a hell. About sin, about grace, about the blood, the word of God lasts forever. I told you it's gonna be a rough one. Are there any? God has to find a word about the word. We're gonna pivot here before somebody just charges me over time. Here we go. Then, so he questioned him, and the Lord said, "I'm gonna." By the way, when you have the word, you go down to your pit. And you speak to your pit. You have conversations with your pit. You have conversations with your wine press. When you know the word, the, the thing is that it took this guy some time. Kid you not, do your biblical due diligence. It took some time before Gideon, speaking to the angel of the Lord, actually stepped out of his wine press and walked out the word. This man had a word. That word should have prompted him to jump over the wine press, to do jumping jacks, do the Macarena for at least three minutes for crying out loud. It didn't happen. The guy stayed in his pit even with a word. Dude, you have a word. Why are you in your pit? There has to come a revelation that when you get the word, you look at your pit and say, Dear Mr. Pit, I want you to know this is the last time I will ever be in you ever again for the rest of my life. Some of y'all need to speak to your pit right now. Some of y'all need to speak to your pit. Matter of fact, I know what we do. I'm going to tell you what we do. We, we know. Are you ready for this? It is easy. It is easy for us to speak to God about our pit. But God is looking for people that will speak to our pit about the God you serve. I, you missed it. I need you to look to your depression, look at the anxiety, look at fear, and say, hello, fear. This is the last day you will ever have power in my life. Hello, depression. It's the last day you will have authority in my life. Hello, alcoholism. Hello, drug addiction. Hello, past. Hello, temptation. This will be the last day you will ever have dominion in my life. Speak to your pit. We got to hurry. So with the word now, this is the next thing. Here's God's response, the Lord. And the Lord said, verse 14, I'm not going to answer any of those three queries you had. I, I will reveal to you what you have. The Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. The Lord tells him who he is and tells him what he has. 
God does not say go with what I will give you. Go with what's coming your way. He says go with the strength you already have. That's it. Drop the mic and walk away. Oh God, if you give me this relationship, I promise that I will serve you. If you bring this man into my life, I promise that I will do this. If you bring this woman into my life, if you give me this new job, I promise that I will blank, blank, blank. Oh, yeah. And then God flips the script and say, nope, you got it wrong. You need to go with what you have, and I will take care of what you need. That's repeat. That's repeating from God is reminding us. Not to wait to receive something in order to march, but to march in order to receive something. Luke 16.10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. Stop focusing on what's missing and work with what you have. I need you to understand right now that you already have what you need to come out of your now and occupy your next. Let me repeat that. If you Now, it's not in your own ability. Get over yourself. It's not in your 23 and me. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you have everything you need to overcome your now and occupy your next. I don't know if you got that. You need to get ready. Now, let me, let me give you this outline. 2 Peter 1.3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have what you need in Jesus to overcome the now and occupy the next. I want you to raise your right hand. Watch this. With your hand raised, order. This season has been a season of God putting things in order in your life. The past nine months have been nine months of God ordering things in your life. To everyone else, it's been a lockdown because of pandemic. To the children of God, God has been pruning, 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 pruning. Am I preaching to at least five people here? There are some of us that know that God has been pruning, 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 pruning. And it was uncomfortable. And it, it was not like, wow, it didn't make you shout for joy. But it's been a process where God has been pruning, pruning, pruning. God has been putting things in order. Why? Order precedes the next step. You are about to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of. You are about to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of. If that's you, raise your hand. Watch, watch, watch. Everybody say order. Order to overcome. God, God will put things in order in your life, enabling you, Gideon, to overcome. You're going to overcome the now in order to occupy the next. That's the pecking order. Order, overcome, occupy. Somebody say order, order. overcome, order. Occupy. occupy. This is where you're going now, your trajectory. When you occupy, the next thing to happen in your life, as you come out of your pit, is overflow. Order, order, order. It begins with order. That means the hoarding is done, the pruning is done. You order, you overcome, you occupy, then you have overflow. The overflow is when God blesses you so much that you become the greatest blessing to everyone you know. No, 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 no. It means that you're so full of blessings. Overflow is the cup running over. So wherever you go, everybody around you gets drenched with the blessings and the presence of God. 
I need you to reach a place in your life where you no longer care if your enemies and your friends get blessed by what? You need to reach a place in your life where you no longer care who gets the residual blessings. Those that blessed you and those that cursed you. Those that lifted you up and those that try to bring you down. When you are in overflow, you don't care who gets blessed. You want everyone to get a piece of the blessing. Order. Somebody say order. order. If, God's put, if, if God's been bringing order to your family and your home and your life in the past nine, ten months, if things are different from the way they were a year ago, but you know, even in some difficult moments, in some hurtful moments, but you know that God's sovereignty reigns and that he has you, raise one hand. If you have overcome thus far by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, Revelation 12, 11, raise both hands. Order overcome. If you're ready to occupy, Gideon, the next season of your life, if you're ready to occupy the very area the Midianite marauders took from you the very area they built Asherah poles on, if you're ready to occupy the very area hell has fought to keep you out of, and you're not going to wait till 2021, you're going to do it before this year is over. I dare you to lift both hands and a foot. And if you're ready to overflow with the blessings of God, the favor of God, the grace of God, the beauty of God, the glory of God, both hands, both feet and give God your best praise in this house. Somebody shout, I'm ready for my overflow. I'm ready for my overflow. My family is ready for my overflow. My children and my children's children are ready for my overflow. My city, get ready for the overflow. My nation, get ready for the overflow. That's it. We're done. Stand with me. Let me show you this. Go with what you have, man. Go. In Christ, you have what you need. We read it from 2 Peter 1.3, which means what? You already have the faith that moves mountains. If you're in Jesus, you have a shout that brings down walls. If you're in Jesus, you have the prayer that enlarges your territory. Y'all missed that one, Jabez. Bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that I may experience in Christ. Now, this is in Christ, not on your own 23 and me. In Jesus, you have the spirit that resurrects, Romans 8, 11. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. In Jesus, you have the blood that washes away all sins, the anointing that lives, the shadow that covers us. The love that expels all fear. The grace that is sufficient. And you have the name that is above every other name. Powerful. This does not define you. You're a mighty hero. Your location will not define the inevitable destination. Your circumstances will never be more powerful than my covenant. My spirit inside of you is greater than that which surrounds you. I define you, God says. Not your past, not your mistakes, not your sins, not what others say about you. 
I define you. You are who I say you are, God says. And you have what I say you have. You have strength. I should know. I knitted you together in your mama's womb. I placed that inside of you. And when you're a born-again Christian, you have the spirit of God inside of you. You have love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, goodness, gentleness, temperance, mercy, faith. So many things. Luke 10 says that you have the power to overcome everything the devil throws your way. Everything. And says nothing will harm you. So then he says, do you understand what you have? Then he responds again. Oh, Gideon, shut your mouth. Unless you're going to praise God, would you stop this? Guess what Gideon does even after those words? After all of that, what does Gideon do? All right, all right, God, Lord. I overcame my fear of the Midianites. Obviously, I responded to you. I overcame my issues with you. But there's one more issue I have to overcome. What's that? Me. What do you mean you? I was focusing on my enemies. That's done with. Then I focus on, are you really with me? Is this real? That's done with. So I know God is real. And I know that I have something better than my enemies. But there's one issue I can't overcome. Read it. This is crazy stuff. Verse 15. What's the third issue, dude? Here's his answer. Me. What about you? Are you kidding me? My family's the weakest family. I come from the most jacked up, discombobulated Jerry Springer family. My family was on Oprah back in the day three times. Dr. Phil has all of my relatives on every single week. Do you follow me? That's my fam. It's messed up. It's the weakest. And then, out of all the kids that are weak, guess who's the weakest? I'm not making this up. He actually pointed to himself and said, I am the least in my entire family. So there's no way you can use me. No way that you can make me into a mighty warrior. No way that I'm a hero. No way. I'm weak. Do you know me? Are you kidding me? I'm weak. Why would you call on the weakest person to do the craziest things? Weak. Gideon didn't doubt God's word upon his life. He doubted his life with God's word. He wasn't looking for guidance. He was looking for confirmation. He didn't doubt God. He doubted himself. Sometimes our issue is not doubting God. We doubt us. We don't doubt the word of God. We doubt whether or not we can carry that we qualify to carry the word of God. And then Jesus reminds you that he qualified you 2,000 years ago on the cross when he shed his blood. I'm, here's the last verse. I promise I'm going to let you go. We're over time today. Joel chapter 3 verse 10 says this. Hammer your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Train even the weakest among you, the weaklings, those who are weak, to be warriors. Joel prophesied, full of the Holy Spirit, this is a prophecy from Joel. The weak will be warriors. I'm going to repeat that because this is for someone here and someone watching. The weak will be warriors. The weak will be warriors. When God shows up, 
the weakest among us are. For all of you who have never been weak, this is not for you. But for every single person here who has followed at least one weakness in your life, put a smile on your face. Because God chooses the weakest amongst us. And he will equip you to be the mighty warriors that will change the world for the glory of his namesake. The weak will be warriors. Repeat after me. The weak will be warriors. Pastor Sam, but I'm struggling with this. You're, you're going to be, you're gonna be you're a warrior. You are a warrior. Pastor Sam, I, my weakness is this. You're a warrior. God says you're a warrior. But Pastor Sam, you don't know my struggle. The weak will be warriors. Pastor Sam, I have a daughter who's fighting drug addiction right now. Put a smile on your face because your daughter's going to rise up as a warrior and change her world. The weak will be warriors. The weak will be warriors. The weak will be warriors. The weak. Pastor Sam, I have a limp. Get up and walk with your limp because the weak will be warriors. Second Corinthians chapter 12, final verse. Verse 9. My grace is always more than enough for you. My power finds its full expression through your weakness. I need to repeat this, the Apostle Paul. My power finds its full expression through your weakness. So this is what Paul says. I will celebrate my weaknesses. In church, we learn to hide them. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I am not defeated by my weaknesses, but rather delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Jesus, I am met yet stronger. Here it is. Here comes the verse. Write this down in your spirit. My weakness becomes a portal to God's power. For all the Trekkies out there, that word portal should prompt you to praise a little bit louder. My weakness becomes a portal, an entry door to God's power. So let the devil say you're weak. Let the weak say I. Let the weak say I. Let the weak say I. Are there any warriors in the house here today? Pastor Sam, what was that last point about? You can no longer use your weakness as an excuse. Never again. Don't tell me you don't qualify. Don't tell me you don't have this, you don't have that. Don't tell me your past. Don't tell me your breakup, what you went through. Don't tell me, but I messed up years. Stop it. Get over yourself. Your weakness is God's portal to demonstrate his power. Surrender that weakness to him. Let the weak say, I. Because Job said that the weak will become warriors. That's what he said. But the angel said, the Lord is with you. That was it. That's all he needed. From then on, he proceeded. Next Sunday, I'll show you what happened next, which is beautiful. And we'll show you the, he built an altar, which is crazy. There's a pit over here and an altar here. You're going, you're going to let go of the pit and build an altar. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, we're about to build stuff. 
You're about to build, you're about to build stuff. You're about to build stuff, I'm telling you. God took you out of there to build something that will last for your children and your children's children, a legacy of faith. If you got this word, God is with you. God is in you, John 15, 7. God is for you, Romans 8, 31. God is with you, Jeremiah 20, 11. God is in you, John 15, 7. Yeah, he is. And he's for you, Romans 8, 31. So Gideon, get ready. Heavenly Father, today we say goodbye to Mr. Pitt. Goodbye, Mr. Winepress. Want to beat threshing floor? Bye, Mr. Hiding. From the Midianites, hiding from God and hiding from the weak version of ourselves. That's what we do. That season of hiding comes to an end right here, right now. We're coming out and we're going to defeat the Midianites as if we were fighting one man. Father, seal this message. Activate your word. Help us not just listen to your word, but be doers of your word. Led by your spirit, we proceed to advance your agenda of righteousness and justice. The days of hiding in the pit, hiding from our circumstances, hiding from God, and hiding from the weak versions of ourselves, that season is forevermore over. In Jesus' name, amen. If you receive that,